Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Living disciples, discipling and leadership, which is really foundational to who we are and what we do as a movement. Amen. And so I think if, it's, uh, if we're going to start talking about serving and leading and discipling, then I think it's only fair that we talk about Jesus. Amen. Because at the end of the day, Jesus was the master on this subject. You know, he was the master discipleship maker. He, the discipler, he was the ultimate leader, and without question, he was probably the greatest example of servanthood to us that we have, right? In fact, it always amazes me, you know, so authentic was the leadership on his life that at that word, come follow me, complete strangers who didn't know him just left everything they knew and followed him, amen? And so masterful was he at discipling that those he discipled went out and changed the very course of history, telling the world his story. And I think no greater example do we have of servanthood than Jesus' body on a cross broken for you and I that our sins would be forgiven and that we would receive undeservedly but still receive the gift of eternal life. Amen. And so I think what we've really got to understand is that sometimes when we talk about leadership and we talk about discipleship and we talk about serving, they can seem like pretty big words, right? They can seem a little bit intimidating. And so we start to talk about them and I think sometimes people begin to get a little bit lost, and maybe they can't relate, maybe they don't know how to identify with these areas, and what I hear a lot in church life is this, Justin, I just don't feel qualified, I just don't feel I have what it takes, I can't really relate, I don't think I could be that, and so if that is you this morning, then what I want to do is encourage you, there is hope, don't despair, amen, because what I want to share with you this morning really are, are four principles modeled on the life of Jesus that I think if you would embed into your life and you would begin to model them out and live them, oh, Pastor Christian's coming, here we go, you're going to find that you are able to serve, lead, and disciple well, amen? <laughs> Who's still focused? No one? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. just, just talk amongst yourselves. There we go, thank you, Pastor Christian. Amen, hey, really good. Well, the first thing I want to talk about, the first principle this morning is authenticity. Everyone say authenticity. authenticity. Wonderful. And I think if we're going to talk about authenticity for a moment, to really understand the weight and significance around authenticity, I think you just got to take a moment to step back and take stock of the current condition of the world we live in right now. Amen. If you just think about the society that we live in, I think it's pretty fair to say that authenticity is becoming harder and harder to find. I mean, in fact, I would dare say authenticity is becoming an exception in life nowadays rather than the rule, because I think in a culture that champions the individual and champions their demands, I think in a society that really just says, hey, you know what, this is about your status and your power based on what you have, not who you are, and a society that encourages, you know what, just do whatever feels good and feels right, regardless of consequences, I think what we've ended up with is an epidemic of broken people that are living in broken relationships living empty lifestyles that on the outside are saying, hey, you know what, it's okay, I'm good, life's great, I've got things together, I'm winning, I've got all the answers, but what's happening on the inside and behind closed doors is that people's lifestyles are, and lives are really falling apart. You know, people are spiritually dying because the reality is that we live in a culture that is very superficial. And I think while no one's saying it, what the world is screaming out for is authenticity. People want someone to be able to come along and just bring hope. 
People want someone to come along and just bring an answer that's going to work. An answer that maybe is going to push a little bit deeper, that's going to go a little bit further, that's actually going to speak to the root of dysfunction and problems and offer an alternative that's life-giving. People are desperate, church, to follow after something authentic. Amen? And so I want you to come with me, if you can, really quickly to Matthew chapter 3, kicking off in verse 13. It says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so here we have Jesus. He's, he's called by God. He's been chosen by God, and the time has come that he's going to be baptized. So he goes to the Jordan River. John baptizes him. He comes up, and the Holy Spirit is given unto him. And he all of a sudden receives this, uh, this power and authority to go do what his father's called him to do. But what's interesting is you keep reading the story. It says, no sooner has Jesus received the Holy Spirit than he's led out into the wilderness to contend with the devil. You've got to understand, church, this wasn't a story about the devil taking advantage of a good opportunity, right? He wasn't standing on the banks of the river waiting for Jesus to come up in power, and then he was going to kind of pounce on Jesus and take him out. No, the Scripture says here that it's the Spirit of God. That same Spirit that had just been imparted into him, the Holy Spirit, it's that Spirit that leads him almost straight away out into a wilderness where he's got to wrestle with the devil. And I always thought, that's such a strange thing to read in the story. I mean, surely the story would have read better because, I mean, here's the Son of God. He's called of God. He's the future Savior to all mankind. And on the verge of his ministry, which is going to be pretty significant, he's taken out by his Father into a dry place to have a hard time, right, with the devil. Surely the story would have read better. Here's Jesus coming out of the water in power and majesty, clothed from heaven, led by the Spirit into a city, heaven on his side, performing miracles, rebuking the devil, moving in the supernatural. I mean, if we're going to start the story right, let's start it with a bang, right? Let's start it in glory. Let's get people's attention, right? But if you just linger on the story for a little bit, you actually catch revelation and you catch the heart of God in this. And that is this, that which was given had to be tested in order that it could be found to be authentic. I want to say that again, all the authority and power given from God on His Son had to then be tested so that it could be found to be authentic. You see, because when Jesus walks into Galilee and He sees the brothers Peter and Andrew fishing on the sea, and He calls out to them, they're just going about their business, doing what they do, involved in their world. Jesus calls out to them, a stranger not known by them, hey, Peter and Andrew, come follow me. And I will teach you to be fishers of men. It's, the scripture says immediately, and this fascinates me, immediately hearing that, they drop everything that they're doing, their livelihood, who they are, they step out of the boat onto dry land and they go, okay. And I go, God, just okay, not, well, who are you? Where, you, where have you come from? We don't really know you and you want us to follow you. Where are we going? How's this going to work? What do you want from us? No, just okay. What was on Jesus' life that engaged such a response from these men? And I believe it was this, it was a power and authority he had received that had been tried and tested in a dry place 
and it had prevailed. So it was authority and a power that didn't need words to explain or describe it. It was now the Holy Spirit in Jesus, something so authentic on his life that Peter and Andrew couldn't do anything but obey him. And go, man, I've got to follow you. Maybe they couldn't put their finger on it. They couldn't describe it exactly what it was. But there was just something so real and something so captivating on Jesus that they said, man, we've got to follow after you. You know, and I said earlier that people are desperate to follow after something authentic. Well, I want to tell you this morning, church, the authenticity of your faith and mine is often tested in the dry seasons of life when we face challenges and we face struggles because there is a higher truth, and that is this. You and I have been called to live a life that is worth following. Amen? You and I have been called to live a life that is worth following. All of us, church, have been called, every one of you. The moment you met Christ and you received the Holy Spirit on the inside, the Bible says you're given fresh purpose. Now you've been empowered and equipped and enabled to make a difference in the life of somebody else. And so God has a plan and a purpose for your life and He's leading you forward and He wants to journey with you. But the truth is sometimes, just sometimes, you're going to take little detours on the way. Sometimes you're going to find yourself on the off-ramp of the highway of purpose of your life and the off-ramp's going to take you through the wilderness, where you're going to struggle maybe and get frustrated with things, maybe feel a little bit lost. You know, it's that area where you're not getting much feedback from God. You know, all you're getting is the radio silence. It's kind of the sat-nav's not really talking to you, and you don't kind of know where you are. But if that is you, and you've been in that place, and you feel like you're walking through the wilderness, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't dismay. I want to encourage you, there's a greater truth, and that is this, there is a purpose that comes to the problems we face in life. And there is a perfecting that happens through the pain that we endure. Amen? The wilderness really is not the final destination. You are not defined, and the end of you is not defined by the struggles and the hurdles and the frustrations that you face. Because God actually has a greater purpose. And believe it or not, He's actually preordained and predestined to bring people into your world, across your path, that maybe have struggles, and have frustrations, and what he wants to do is he wants to deliver those people and set them free, but guess what? He wants to do that through your life. And so in order, though, for him to use you, he needs to know that people can see the Holy Spirit in you. In order to use you, he needs to know that people can see a faith that through seasons has been tested, and because it's been tested, it can be trusted. Amen? He needs to know that there is an authenticity on your life that people go, I don't know what it is, but I want to follow you. I want to respond to you. Amen? And so the second principle I want to share this morning around Jesus' life is that of relationship. Relationship. And in John 1.1, 1, 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. You know, I've spoken before how God is a relational God. He's always existed in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And by His very character, He's a God that moves and reacts and responds to us in a context of relationship. And he desires that you and I would have relationship first and foremost with him. And that then we would have relationship with others. Amen. And that point of impact and that release of power and those moments of connection that came from Jesus happened in those moments in relationship. You know, it's when he used to pick up children and hold them to himself. As he allowed a woman to wash his feet with her hair and her tears. As he chose to linger with Lazarus' family and weep with them, broken hearted at his death. Even though in an instant he could have raised them, but he didn't. 
as he chose to hold Peter to his chest, as he laid hands on those crippled with leprosy, as he looked out over a crowd that was just relentless in pursuing him, and he had compassion for them. At the very core of who Jesus was, you find someone with a heart that continually wanted to reach out and connect with people and engage with people. You know, Jesus served, led, and discipled always in this context of relationship, and he imparted in those moments of connection with people, amen? And so what you carry on your life that really is worth following, and what is in your life that is ready to serve, and what is on you that is ready to disciple, comes alive, and it's activated by the Holy Spirit as you and I with purpose decide to step out of ourselves and connect and relate, amen? You see, because the reality is authenticity on its own is actually not really good enough. And good intentions on their own are not really good enough. And I'll go as far as to say just the anointing of the Holy Spirit on its own is not good enough unless it is grounded in genuine relationship. Because genuine relationship is the place you find impact is made. That's where difference comes. The point of difference comes for someone. That's really where Jesus is waiting to be introduced to someone. And maybe it's someone you know you need to invite through the doors of C3 Noosa. Amen. And so James 2.14 says this. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And you know, every Sunday we pray in this place for people. We pray for a harvest. You know, we pray for a church uh, that would receive in the lost, the hurt, and the broken. But I want to ask you this morning, what are we going to do when God starts to do that? Are we going to lift our eyes to actually see them? Are we going to step out of our seats to embrace them? Are we maybe going to lower the, the, the levels and the walls of our comfort zone a little bit to accept them when maybe they don't always fit the mold? Because I don't know about you, but I'm really tired of people looking in at the church and all they're seeing is the Bless Me Club. All they're seeing are people that are not really interested in reaching out, people that are not really interested in receiving in, maybe a little bit embarrassed even to receive in the brokenhearted. And I'm tired of the world minimalizing and marginalizing church because the truth is you and I carry in this place the same spirit and power that rested on Jesus' life. And so we have the heartbeat of God already in this house. And so what that means is when the world says to people, you don't matter, we as a church are going to stand up and actually say, you know what, you do. And when the world rejects people and pushes them out and pushes them to the fringes because maybe they're different, we as a church are not going to follow popular opinion. We choose not to pick up stones in this place, but we're going to stand up and we're going to walk over and we're going to embrace them and bring them back into the house of God and say, you know what, you're actually loved. You're actually loved. And so when people are chewed up and spat out and broken and left for dead, we're actually going to reach out and make the effort and connect and say, you know what? This is worth the effort. Your life matters. We care and there is hope for your life. And you actually have someone in this place that's prepared to walk with you, that's going to stand with you until God begins to redeem and restore your life. And you have someone that's going to stand with you as long as it takes until my God in His grace and mercy takes your ashes in your life and He exchanges them for beauty. If you believe this is what this church is about, why don't you give Him praise this morning, church? Come on. Come on. 
You see, you don't need to have a pulpit to lead. You just have to be able to reach out to touch somebody. If you are willing to be available, if you are willing to walk with someone when things are bad and when things are good, if you're prepared to make a difference in someone else's life, then I'm telling you, you've already sown the seeds of servanthood. You've already sown the seeds of leadership. That is the beginning of discipleship because people will follow you. People will want what is on you. If you begin to invest of yourself into the life of another, at some point they'll begin to catch what is on your life. And Jesus says to us in his word, you are the light and the salt of this world, so let your light shine. Amen? Let your light shine. All right, the third principle I want to share really quickly this morning is called faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness. Come on, I love it. Faithfulness. John 4.34 says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, Jesus is saying what sustains me and what keeps me full and what gives me strength is knowing that I'm doing what God has called me to do and I'm doing it with the intention to finish it. In other words, my focus and my vision is on finishing what God has given me to do, understanding why I do what I do. Amen. And so I believe that the underlying conviction that's going to drive our faithfulness in serving, in leading others, in discipling others, is first and foremost our relationship with God. None of us can ever hope to achieve what Christ has called us to do and be unless He is really at the center of all that we do. Amen? Because Jesus, out of an intimate, intimate connection with His Father, served and led and discipled. And he was faithful even to death because he lived the life of him whom he loved most. Amen. And so what I want to say this morning is that God calls all of us to faithfulness because he understands our limitations. All right. He actually understands that we struggle with sin. That we don't always make perfect choices. And so he makes it clear, he makes it clear to us, you know what, I'm not asking of you perfection. I'm not asking of you performance. What I want from you is faithfulness. That it's less about skill and talent and even how educated you are because the truth is God in all his power and authority has everything he needs to actually fulfill his purpose. But because he's relational, he looks for people with a heart and hands that are available and open so he can change and transform lives through those people. And all through history in the scriptures we read of God using imperfect people to do supernatural amazing things. Amen. Noah, at times, used to struggle with alcohol, used to struggle with the bottle. But in the face of persecution and ridicule, he was faithful to finish what God had laid on him to do, and that was to build an ark. And so God fulfilled a purpose in him that he fathered a completely new generation of people. Moses struggled with his speech and his confidence. Yet in the face of a whinging, whining generation, he chose to be faithful. And because of his faithfulness, God led his people into their promise. Amen. David was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He lied, but he was faithful to come back time and time again to the altar and to God and repent and worship Him. And because of that, God established a bloodline through which Christ was born. Because of that, He calls David a man after my own heart. Jacob was a deceiver and a liar, yet God, through a covenant already established, blessed him and prospered him. Elijah struggled with anxiety and depression to the point of suicidal tendencies. Yet God raised him up as probably one of the most, the greatest prophets we'll ever read about, through which he did supernatural signs and wonders. None of these people had anything in and of themselves to offer God. And here's the thing, 
God never once asked it from them. All he saw was a heart that was faithful, a heart that kept coming back to him, a heart that said, God, I'm well aware. God, I'm well aware of my imperfections. But if you would use my life, then I commit myself to you. If you will use me, then I will, I'll be here. God, I might not be able to do much, but you know what? I can turn up. Hey, you know what? I can knock on a door. I can pick up the phone. I can cook a meal. Hey, you know what? I can jump and be a smiling face on the doors at church in the morning. I can jump on a team. God, if you would just use my life, then I commit to being available. Here I am, amen? You know, in understanding your human frame, God pours out on your life this amazing gift called grace. And grace says this, it says, I know that you're not always going to get it right. And I know that you are going to struggle. But despite all your mess ups and mistakes, I still choose to be with you. I will still choose to walk with you. If you will just determine to keep getting up, then I will be with you and I will help you make it to the end. And I will help you finish what it is that you started. Church, I want to encourage you this morning, don't ever disqualify yourself thinking you don't have what it takes to make a difference in the life of someone else. Amen? Paul, I mean Paul, one of the greatest apostles, one of the most faithful servants of Jesus Christ, you know, who could be responsible for some of the most amazing missionary work, taking the gospel around the world, struggled with his humanity, struggled with sin. It says in Romans 7:14, this is Paul, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I'm doing, I don't understand. For what I want to do in Christ, I'm not doing it. And what I don't like doing, I find myself doing it. This is Paul. And then later in Corinthians, he goes on and he says, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations I have this thorn in my side, a messenger from Satan that keeps buffeting me, keeps coming up against me. And concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, God, take it from me. Deliver me from it. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For, by my, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In those moments of weakness where you're losing faith and you're struggling with bad mindsets and bad mentality and negative thoughts, it's in that place that says, here's my grace. God says, my grace is for you now because I will fill up the gap and I will make up what you lack and I'll give you what you need to keep moving you forward. And so when you're weak and you're tired, that's where God says, my work in and through you is made perfect. That's where it starts to shine. That's where I'm going to start making a difference in someone else's life. Just don't give up. Amen. Just don't give up. Your faithfulness is an anchor point for you and I because who understands you don't need the goosebumps and you don't need the supernatural visitations to be faithful. You can be faithful in seasons when God is speaking to you and you can be faithful in seasons where maybe he's not as close. And no one better understood that than Moses. If you read the book of Exodus, you see many a times Moses pleading with God, I'm done, time out. I don't want to do this anymore. I hate these people. They have no faith. They whinge, they whine, they don't see, the, see you for who you are, they don't acknowledge your miracles, they're so negative, I don't want to do this anymore. But he chose to keep doing it. He was faithful, and because he was faithful, God led his children into their promise. Now, I want to say that again, you've got to put this in context, when the excitement and drama 
of delivering his people out of Egypt had finished. So no more plagues, no more parting the Red Sea. All the exciting stuff was over. Now Israel's just in the desert under a hot sun and it's dry. Day in, day out. It's then that Moses made a decision. Every morning I'm going to get up. I'm going to get out of my tent. I'm going to follow after God in obedience. I'm going to sort out problems. I'm going to mediate issues. I'm going to help these people. And because of that, because of being faithful in that every day, day in, day out, in the face of discouragement, God said, I'm going to lead my people through the faithfulness of one man. I can get my people from Egypt into the promised land. Don't ever, just, don't ever minimize the significance of you being faithful in the house of God and the impact that can have on someone else's life. Amen. Amen. However small it seems. However small it seems. So I want to ask you a question. What do you do in the dry place? What do you do while you're traveling through the wilderness and maybe things aren't as exciting anymore? Maybe you're not as enthused about life as you once were. You know, maybe you're juggling a whole lot of stuff right now and you're going through struggles. Maybe it just feels like your past is always on your back. Come on, maybe everyone wants a piece of you. And if you get one more phone call to jump on a team, you're booking your next flight out of here to Hawaii. <laughs> Who's ever been there? Don't let him pass the Christians out. So what do you do in that place? Let me encourage you, like Moses, build a tabernacle in your life. Build a tabernacle in the dry place. What is that? A tabernacle is a space that you create in your life that is just for you and God, where the presence of God can come and rest in that space. It's just for you and Him. And in that space you go to, and you pray, and you seek Him, and you wait on Him, and you worship Him, and you pour out your heart in honesty before Him. You give Him your frustrations, your anger, your discouragement. Sometimes it's just waiting on Him and letting His presence rest with you. Jesus every day, went to his tabernacle, he'd escape his disciples, he'd escape the crowd, and he'd go into a deserted place just to spend time with his father, just to rest, just to reorientate, to re-engage. Father, is this what you'd have me do today? Am I going in the right direction? Father, strengthen me, fill me up that I can do this tomorrow. Moses would escape the burning heat of the day and those whinging people, and he would hide within the tabernacle, just him and God. And he would wait in God's presence and in worship and pray and seek God and ask for guidance. Church, I want to tell you, this hinges your ability and my ability to finish the race, to do what God has called us to do, to receive the prize of the upward call. It all comes down to you and I being faithful to just turn up at the door of your tabernacle every day. Amen. If you would just turn up at the door of your tabernacle every day, I'm telling you, you're going to make it. Amen. You are going to make it. Life, you know, life on the outside gets crazy, and we can't always control it, but I'm telling you, in the tabernacle, God is constant. His presence is not shaken. His presence is always waiting for you. His presence will always be ready for you. If you will learn to build that space, Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Church, I'm telling you, if you can get praise continually on your lips when things are great and when things are not great, if you can keep praise on your lips, what it does is it creates a people with a soft heart but a strong spirit. And if you have a soft heart and a strong spirit, you can forgive quickly. 
If you have a soft heart and a strong spirit, you can lay a fence on the altar quickly. If you have a soft heart and a strong spirit, you can carry a vision that's maybe not necessarily your own. If I would keep praise at all times on my lips. Hey, I might get Sally, if you can come up and play, that would be great. The fourth principle I want to share with you this morning really quickly to touch on is power. Power. Luke 4.18 says this. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, the anointing on your life is not just an anointing. The anointing on your life is an anointing that has purpose. The scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me too. He has anointed me too. There implies an intentionality. There implies a purpose that the anointing is on your life to achieve something. And I want to tell you in the morning that there is power on that anointing that rests on your life to maybe sit down with a friend in a crisis and with clarity of mind begin to share the gospel. There's a power that comes on the anointing when it rests on your life to look at situations that seem impossible and speak God's word and see the supernatural intervene. And there's a power on the anointing of your life to maybe take the hand of someone you know and stand with them in faith and believe that God's going to heal them and God's going to deliver them and God's going to set them free and God's going to bring a breakthrough. There is anointing on your life for supernatural direction when things don't always seem clear. If we would follow after God, you see, the thing is, Jesus knew who He was and what He carried. My question to you this morning is, do you know who you are, whose you are, and what you carry? Because what you carry has power. What you carry is an anointing that has the ability to not just change your life, but to change the life of someone you know, someone you meet in a heartbeat, speaking a word of encouragement, laying hands on someone, just being with someone can change lives. Do you know who you are and what you carry? Hey, why don't we stand this morning? You know, I purposely wanted to leave a little bit of time at the end. Because I want us just to stay in this place of worship. Thank you, Father. Why don't you just close your eyes right now? Holy Spirit is in this place. Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you that you have not called us to live perfect lives. You've called us to be faithful. God, not even in our own strength, but God, in yours. But you know, I always get the sense that sometimes people have just been in that wilderness too long. Maybe you've been walking through a dry place and there's no direction and you're frustrated with what it is that you keep coming back to and keep struggling with and keep facing in life. And you know God has a purpose for your life, but you're just not sure how to get to the other side. I want to tell you, if that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you this morning. That God is going to get you through. That maybe your faith has been weakened through the challenges you face. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're just tired. 
going, Justin, I don't know if I can just keep doing this. I don't know if I can be what I keep hearing people tell me I should be. I'm tired. Is that you? I feel like God just wants to pour His Spirit upon you this morning. God wants to encourage you. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. I'm going to get you there. If you will just rest in me, let me pour my grace out on you this morning, I will get you to the other side. I will help you to dream dreams and see visions again. I'm going to bring back a passion you once had for me, but it's lost. If you just come to me. So if that is you this morning, I want to pray with you. Why don't you just take a minute. Would you come out the front and let me pray with you right now in this moment? I'd love just to stand with you. Believe God's going to pour His Spirit upon you right now this morning. Father, we thank you right now. God, for these people, bless them in this place. You know, maybe you're here and you've never really heard about this Jesus and you're not sure what this is all about. You know what? I feel the Father heart of God in this house. Maybe you've never met Christ. Maybe you've never acknowledged Him. I want to give you an opportunity in this place to do that. You know, the Bible says that when we go from this place, there's only two outcomes for us. One is an eternity with he in heaven with God and one is an eternity without Him. And the heart of God is that not one person will be lost. He wants to call you into His family. He wants to call you a son and a daughter. He wants to pour His Spirit upon you and give you that eternal life I was talking about. And if that is you this morning, just everyone's eyes closed, no one's looking around. I don't want to embarrass you. But this is a significant opportunity and I want to put it out there to you. If that is you and you have never made that decision and you say, Justin, I want to know a bit more about who this Jesus character is. If that is you this morning, can you just really quickly, no one's looking around, just lift your hand up for me. Say, Justin, you just pray with me. Right now, no one looking around. Justin, can you just pray? I want to know a little bit more about this Jesus you're talking about. Thank you, Father. step out and say, Justin, would you pray with me? Would you stand with me this morning? There's purpose on your life. I'm telling you this moment, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, church. There's grace when you need it. There's hope when you need it. There's strength. God has a call on your life. You are going to lead. You're going to disciple. You're going to serve blessed of Him. So Father, right now, I thank you for each and every family in this house. God, as they go out from this place this morning, Lord, bless them. Anoint them. Father, I thank you right now that you begin to do a supernatural work in hearts and lives this morning. Father, thank you that they would be a light in their world, that they would be an influence to others in their world, that they would carry the very presence of heaven everywhere that they go from this place. Father, we love them. We stand with them this morning. Thank you. They walk under an open heaven. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.